This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, June 16th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, here we are, mid-June, that time of year when the summer doldrums usually kick in. Well, that's not happening this year. In fact, nothing could be further from reality. It's post-COVID time, and everyone I talk to is stoked. We can't wait to get back out and start doing again. I predict that summer 2021 will see us take vacations, but we'll also begin behaving more like we traditionally do in the fall. Meetings, travel, face-to-face contacts, and yes, handshakes will boost us into high gear this summer season, and that's just okay fine with me. For my part, it couldn't have gotten here quickly enough. Hey, before I get into the meat of this week's program, my thanks to Jared Sessler for joining us last week. Jared's like the modern-day Larry the Cable Guy. Remember him? Get her done. Well, that's what I think of when I think of Jared. Granted, he's far more sophisticated than Larry the Cable Guy, But get her done is his mantra. He quite simply dreams big and then wraps his head around whatever he's focused on and doesn't come up for air until it's done. So my bet's on him to claim the congressional seat that he plans to run for in the state of Washington's 4th District in 2022's congressional race. It's still early days with a crowded field of five right now, but my bet's on Jared to win it all when all is said and done. The voters will win and so will franchising. With the best friend it will ever have embedded in the swamp where he can actually push back and make a difference for franchising from the inside out. We'll be keeping an eye on his progress as those races get closer, beginning with August's primary. Today, we're going to talk about non-traditional franchise development, more specifically, on-campus opportunities. If you've ever considered moving your restaurant, beverage, retail, or financial service into the higher education channel, then Jim Gregory is your guy. His mission is to help improve on-campus retail operations and choices for college students. His company, on-campus brands takes a data-centric approach to on-campus retail development. His extensive database of campus outlets helps target those campuses where certain brands have the greatest opportunity to succeed. His years of expertise in adapting concepts to the unique needs of the on-campus market save months, if not years, of costly trial and error for his clients. And his connectivity to the communities of campus dining, management, and college auxiliary services puts those brands brands in front of the right decision makers. I'm back in two minutes to talk about it all with Jim Gregory. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zor Forum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zor Forum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zor Forum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform 
In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zorforum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations, but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive set so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zorforum. Learn more at zorforum.org. That's www.zorforum.org. On Campus Brands was founded by Jim Gregory. From 2012 through spring 2016, Jim was responsible for the non-traditional channel at Steak and Shake, but his experience in non-traditional restaurant and retail services stretches all the way back to 1990. In fact, it was Jim who conceived the vision of bringing superior brand offerings to college campuses, brands that resonate with students and complement the unique cultures of their schools, brands that are committed to grow and support their operations in higher education. So Jim spent a few months signing up charter clients, building the first on-campus retail database, and gathering a network of his favorite ops, design, and construction folks. By then, it was fall semester 2016 and time to go to school. Jim Gregory, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you, Stan. Happy to be here. Hey, it's fun having you here. I always like having people on that I've known for a couple of minutes. And in this case, you're somebody I've known for more than a couple of years. So good to be reconnected again and to know that you're still at it and making things happen in the franchise world. Doing our best. Well, we all have been and we'll talk about that some today, Jim. So before we get into more detailed discussion about what it is that on-campus brands does and how you do it, let's first do what we do for every guest. We take you back in time and ask you to come back in time with the audience and tell us how and when franchising discovered you. Yeah, I've heard you ask that question before, of course, and given it some thought. Really, my first job in the franchise world was with Pizza Hut. I left a nice ivory tower job at a big Chicago ad agency and went to work for a regional office at Pizza Hut delivery in the late 80s and early 90s. It was then PepsiCo owned and known for pushing decisions down into the organization. I had marketing responsibility for eight or 10 franchise co-ops and we were rolling out delivery. We, we had this this terrific organization, by the way, got the, the pleasure of working in David Novak's marketing organization. Oh, wow. That, yeah, the brand was killing it. He and Alan Feldman worked for Steve Reinemann. Reinemann was the CEO at the time, and we were just killing it under those leaders and rolling out delivery, which Dan, you know, not unlike the Wings business, it's an off-premise, take no prisoners, trade area by trade area business. And you know, that meant I went out on the circuit three, four times a year to meet the pizza franchisees. Uh, their locations tended to be on the perimeters of the DMAs. So their business were a lot different than ours. They were small town mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. They were the restaurant. Those pizza huts were the Italian restaurant in their town. And, and so our agendas didn't necessarily always match up and it was important to work with them. And I just gained a just a, a mountain of respect for those individuals. And, and I, I got to thinking about it. And again, back to your question, my my dad was a, a had a Walgreens agency in a small town with a flat grill and a, and a soda fountain and a four spindle mixer. And Boy, are you ever dating? Yourself? I know, I know, I know. But let me tell you, <laughs> that place was having to be had a candy counter 10 feet long and, and 
and you know he worked he was he was just 30 years old when he bought that business in our little town and, and he would open that store at 7 a.m and close it at 9 p.m six days a week and that's that's what I identify with what how hard the entrepreneurs work who create franchises I, I really think that had a lot to do with uh, why I identified uh, so well with with these pizza franchisees and later Hardy's franchisees and so yeah I went through a couple of brands so then after Pizza Hut I, I took an opportunity at Hardy's and it was interesting they had just bought the Roy Rogers business and more on that in a minute I love your show with uh, Greg Greg Koffler, I think it was. yeah 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 that was that was great to hear his perspective but Hardy's had just bought the Roy Rogers business this was early 90s and they had brought in that fantastic Roy Rogers fried chicken that I know you know about from growing up and a management that was Jerry Gamalia was headed up marketing there another great mentor. They knew that the Roy's bone-in fried chicken business was a bulk business. It needed to be an off-premise business. The margins are lower, 55, 60% GP in those days. So not something you wanted to trade off for, you know, burger fry drink margins. And so I picked up some expertise on the off-premise side with Pizza Hut and we rolled it out across 3,500 Hardy's restaurants in about two years with that whole off-premise strategy. And again, working with DMA co-ops, a whole lot of barnstorming over the United States, mainly South and Midwest and Hardy's geography. And and again, just got a sense of what these franchisees were doing by changing their entire approach. We were able to leverage our expertise and drive through. And as I said, a, a terrific Roy's product to, to grow that uh, dinnertime day part way beyond anything that the QSR business had ever seen. But in each case, we needed franchise co-ops to work together because it was important to go on TV with a price point. Just another lesson on the importance of price in the price value equation. So a lot of exposure to smaller time franchisees and again, just their work ethic and, and how hard they work. Where was your core competency though? It sounds like it was more marketing than operations. Definitely. Definitely. I know enough to be dangerous and I really mean dangerous in operations. (laughs) The the non-traditional businesses brought me along in that regard too, but definitely more marketing, more brand marketing at that time. So take us forward from that point in time. What came next? Really my first true turnaround was Roy Rogers Restaurants. Pete Plamondon might not, certainly not call it that, but I left Hardee's and and remember they own Roy Rogers and had tried and failed to convert Roy Rogers to Hardee's in the Northeast, in that Northeast corridor. So they were in a kind of a retreat mode and hired and sent three of us up there to their Baltimore headquarters to basically nurse that brand back to health. And it was an iconic brand. That's what we did. We brought back uh, emphasis on fried chicken. We brought back real whole muscle roast beef and sliced it in the restaurants, which they do today. It's phenomenal. Their operators are phenomenal. Remember these roast beefs are coming in, they're different weights. They need to be cooked for different times. I was just so impressed by how the operators adapted to taking Roy Rogers, the chain back to what its core brand was all about. And and as you said, I think in the end, you know, Hardy's had to sell off the bulk of those urban restaurants. But in the end, Pete and the franchisees that remained did a good job of keeping the brand alive. And I couldn't be happier to see him bringing it back as a uh, growing franchise chain again. Part of the magic of that brand is something that you just said without saying it. You talked about the disparities between the weights of roast beefs coming in, unlike some modern day manufactured meats that yeah. come into places that call themselves sandwich chains, where every 
slice looks exactly like the other slice before it and the next one after it. Fresh meat's not cut to look that way, is it? Structured meat, I think they call it. I have some experience with that to this day with my firehouse subs client versus the leader in the category. So anyway, it was a, a terrific experience. I met some great people. I, I think I've told you the stories before about having an opportunity to meet Roy and Dale themselves. I yep. get chill bumps just telling you that. I got to see them. I got to see the power of that iconic man around some very powerful people as it so happened on two separate occasions as we ran into some pretty important folks in government, including the first lady, and to watch them kind of back away and genuflect at the sight of a real American hero was just amazing. Those are the kinds of things that we don't hear enough of, you know? You can't make those stories up either. So take us forward. Bring us forward. Well, after Roy's, after we had kind of divested Roy's on behalf of Amasco, I sought out the next turnaround and it was actually a private equity play of fix and flip, a rider truck rental that we were pulling out of. It was a $500 million division that we were pulling out of a $4 billion rider transportation and logistics company as it was being bought by Questor Management at the time. We were relocating it from Miami to Denver and and meanwhile, just making this brand stand alone and working through some debt issues, et cetera. But in that example on, on the franchise side, we had 4,000 rider truck rental locations. And I swear, Stan, we had like 3,970 franchisees. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a one franchisee, one location business. Wow. But again, just terrific people out there operating those businesses. Once I was done with that, I got into Internet 1.0 with a a travel company called Trip.com ultimately purchased by Sendant. I think you know a little bit about that company as well. <laughs> a little bit more than I care to, yep. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to be a, a lesson in lucky being every bit as important as good, I'll be honest with you. But it bounced me out of the franchise business for a few years and came back in 2012 with Steak and Shake, helping them. They, they had a mission to develop in all non-traditional channels that made sense and spent four years doing that. And that's what led me to on-campus brands. It's also what led us to get to know each other, isn't it? It is. It is. Absolutely. I think it was Vic Yandel that introduced us. A lot of people in your audience will know him. Yeah. He's doing great, by the way. Good to hear. So the Steak and Shake brand, it's kind of an all-American concept. There's a real secret in its operation and why a table service restaurant can even possibly perform at the drive-thru. And that's because the core to a Steak and Shake burger cooks in something like 70 seconds. So it was a natural for the non-traditional world where throughputs are everything, absolutely everything. So we had some operational advantages in order to take it into the non-trad channel, but its value proposition made it especially appropriate for the higher ed channel. It basically is, it's just a great value. In the airport channels, you need about a 10, 11, $12 check to really thrive and it's take a shake, that'll feed two people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we really focused on the higher ed channel and along the way, again, just met some terrific people, but the real learning there for your audience, anyone out there who's interested in getting into the non-trad channels or higher ed especially, you've just got to be ready for those rushes that come two, three, four times a day. Students in the case of higher ed, it's kind of like a when they get out of class, it's like a, a big tour bus dumping off at your location. But the only difference is you know when that tour bus is going to land exactly to the minute. So if you can figure out how to pre-stage your product uh, without compromise to finish, if you can figure out how to skinny down your menu to get that 80-20 thing going for you. And and mobile ordering, of course, is another area where students kind of give you an advantage because they've been so far ahead of it during even well before COVID. Students embrace mobile ordering and that allows you to get out ahead of the rushes. All those things kind of need to be in, in your wheelhouse in the non-traditional world because the key to that business is throughputs. You know, Whether you're in an airport, a travel plaza, a, um, a college campus, your audience just theoretically, they're not 
specifically coming to your restaurant for a, an enjoyable, enduring meal as much as it's just, uh, hey, it's a nice break. Then looking for the best opportunity amongst the options available. They're not out going out for a five-star meal, right? Exactly. Exactly. So you, you just got to be fast. You've got to be fast. And that's how on-campus brands came about. I really enjoyed those four years. They were terrific and introduced me to some great people in higher ed, all of whom really share this mission to create environments for students to thrive. And at the time, representing only one brand, Steak and Shake, to the higher ed channel, I was constantly reminded of that axiom, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And that took on a really took on a deeper meaning for me. So we developed the idea of creating a portfolio of brand solutions for the campus to decision makers and in so doing, create long-term and enduring development relationships with them because they have choices. They have a lot of choices in what brands they deploy on their campuses. Tell you what let's do. Let's take a quick break. Let's come back and talk more about that and who are the decision makers as compared to who makes decisions in a traditional franchise agreement versus a non-traditional on a campus. And let's talk too on the other side of that break about what kinds of brands should even consider entering the non-traditional environment and when, at what size, or what are the criteria for who should or shouldn't other than the need for speed. We're going to take all that up with Jim Gregory, managing partner of On Campus Brands, right after this. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, franchisors of restaurants, bars, grills and taverns, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. Atmosphere TV wants to help you cut costs on overpriced cable TV for your business and either replace it completely or partially if sports programming is essential at your locations. What Atmosphere TV provides are 100% free programming options with nearly 50 channels of highly engaging and entertaining programming that is audio optional and guaranteed to please your customers and even increase their average ticket per visit. So here's how it works. Atmosphere hooks you up with an Apple TV HD receiver loaded with nearly 50 channels of fully licensed, no cost to you, fun and lifestyle programming. These channels include Chive and Red Bull TV, bloopers, superhuman feats, and an array of viewing options that don't require sound to be enjoyed. And this offer is not just limited to restaurants or bars. No, any business with a TV screen in its waiting room can benefit from Atmosphere's free programming offer as well. So what are you waiting for? Cut the cord on overpriced cable and get Atmosphere TV with its 100% free, engaging, and entertaining programming options. Keep your guests happy while they wait to see you. Instead of watching the clock and their wait times. Chiropractors, doctors, dentists, auto repair shops, anyone with TVs in your waiting rooms, jump onto this amazing offer today. And if you text the word FRANCHISE to 474747, Atmosphere will waive the $100 setup fee for the Apple TV HD receiver that they'll ship to you as well at no cost. Atmosphere TV, changing the way businesses view television. Find them online at atmosphere.tv and remember, text franchise to 474747 for the no-charge Apple receiver. Cut the cord and get rid of cable today with Atmosphere TV. 
And the conversation continues with Jim Gregory, managing partner at On Campus Brands. Jim, I don't know that many in our audience have even considered or contemplated non-traditional development. Why don't you give a bit of a synopsis of the difference between somebody's brand being, for example, in my old days at Blimpy, I used to have half my chain on either side of the equation. And when somebody bought a traditional Blimpy, it was Blimpy is your business. But if it was going into a gas station along the interstate, it was Blimpy in your business. So help the audience understand how that looks and even more so in the world of campus, the ramifications of one versus the other and who should play in those arenas. Great question. That's that's just a great question. Uh, On the campus side, I can tell you that first off, the difference between the two is that on the campus side, it's dominated by licensees, meaning large corporations. The three dominant ones are Aramark, Sodexo, and Compass USA. And Compass Campus Division is named Chartwells, but they're licensees, so they hold master license agreements with mostly large brands. There are a couple of those, Aramark and and Sodexo in particular, that have been known to partner up with an emerging brand and really get behind them for an exclusive deal and provide them capital. But that is, uh, that's kind of few and far between. The difference as a result is that these contract dining operators, we refer to them as, are looking for scale. They're looking for infrastructure. So it can be difficult, especially if you're thinking about a contract managed business. That said, about 25% of the campuses out there and a lot of the big ones, uh, the Big Ten, California schools, those types, the Southeast Conference, ACC type schools are self-operated in their dining. And so there's more of an opportunity on the self-operated campuses for a local operator, which by the way, all campuses want to have local operators. It's just, again, depending on, on if they're contract managed, whether or not that's realistic, but a local operator definitely has opportunity opportunities at those big campuses that are self-operated. If that were the case, then you would have one component of a traditional franchisee that everybody wants is you want your operator to be passionate about the business. And typically non-traditional operators could care less whether it was a subway there or a blimpy or whatever it is. It's how much it does it cost me per square foot to operate your business inside my space. But if you had a local operator, that would be a little bit different, wouldn't it? Oh, it is. It's quite different. And I should say that there are here and there are are opportunities for contract managed business to subcontract. But it's difficult for a a local operator to to run a staff for eight months during the school year and then absorb those employees into their organization over the summer, redeploy them in in August and go through that whole cycle. It's a lot easier for the contract managers. I did want to say, Stan, you know, on the airport side, uh, not as many opportunities out there. That's the bottom line, but it's still a good business. On the airport side, airports, depending on their management, their leadership can oftentimes be aggressive in seeking local operators for their spaces. And it'd be a quite a lucrative business because it's a 24-7, 365 type of business. Aren't those usually reserved for those with disabilities or minority-owned business opportunities? Certainly, it helps. ACDBE companies certainly have an advantage on the airport side. And, and so if your franchisor, prospective franchisor, emerging franchisor has that kind of ownership, all the more reason to put some investigation into it. Sure. So the point there is, even if you are an emerging franchisor and don't think you're big enough because you're going to be overshadowed by those brands that have more cachet perhaps than you do. If you've got minority or disability and ownership, you may have five more pegs in your favor than you consider. Absolutely. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater is the message, right? That's right. So tell us a little more about the campus world, because as you pointed out so aptly, 
It's very temporary and it's very defined by semesters and by seasonality. And in the case of COVID, I would imagine that many brands that have been firecrackers in their space before found the entire world of campus restaurants shutting down at the same time. What did that look like? Oh, it's been pretty devastating. One of the economies of scale that come with the company is that we are able to put a lot of time into research and, and invest in research on the on the market itself. So we have some unique data that, frankly, Stan, I don't think has ever been shared publicly that I can share with you about what happened in COVID. We tracked the top 700 campuses for uh, retail, dining, and C-store outlets. And I can tell you that our survey in 2021 showed that about 53% of total restaurants on college campuses were closed in the fall 2020, spring 2021 academic year. And those that remained, their operations were significantly curtailed due to fewer students being on campus, of course. So it was a, it was a tough time. The street brands did a little better. There's a difference between retail on college campuses, the contract dining operators, and the self-op colleges all run some of their own, what we call house brands or proprietary brands that they've created themselves. They look a lot like a street brand, but you won't find them outside of a campus. But anyway, about two-thirds of the street brands stayed open and about two-thirds of the local or proprietary brands closed. And those two-thirds that stayed open of course, tended to be the big dominant brands, the Starbucks, the Chick-fil-A's, the Subway's, that type. So that goes to the point I made earlier about the threshold, the ability to withstand or to absorb. If you're a large enough brand, you can withstand the fact that you've got the closures on the campuses. You didn't take a fatal blow as a result of that. If you're somebody local and the only thing you've got are campus locations, you don't have anything to fall back on. Yeah, there are a handful of operators who fit exactly in that category that I'm aware of. So what can you share about that to take that research and share it a little further? Is that public information that we can put a new sounder on here and say we're hearing it first on Franchise Today? You are. And I'll have to add that my client Qdoba was one of the few emerging and just getting traction brands that managed to do very well. They only closed about 15% of their locations. So strong brands that are flexible and can deliver their product in a, in a flexible manner. And my, my Qdoba clients are incredibly good at, at that. Another key to have in your wheelhouse is flexibility in the non-trad world for sure. Those brands that could deliver off premise that could, for example, deliver to quarantine students are the ones that that survive. The ones that had great sanitation procedures already integrated into their operating procedures as opposed to a bolt-on kind of thing. Because, you know, we, we just all got hypersensitive about sanitation, right? Mm -hmm. And the consumer still is. It's really clear uh, from the research on campus. That their radar has expanded. They're going to see something two tables away as opposed to something that's just on their table. Been a, it's been a challenge, but I think it'll bounce back. I think it's probably going to be 2023 or later when the campus market recovers. Not unlike like what we've heard about the airlines. And in the meantime, I think that those emerging franchisors that you speak to, they know better than we do that if they've developed their off-premise business, they're able to thrive through this and, and make it through the transition. I would think the other piece that really we didn't call it out directly, but I think pre-COVID, anybody who was already well set up for frictionless transactions, either with apps or online ordering and the ability to facilitate curbside or those kinds of things became easier because you had the ability to be frictionless from the onset, those brands must have done immensely better as well in your research. Would I be correct in my assumption? Absolutely. Yeah. As I said, the college students were way ahead on the online ordering thing. So, and what was incredibly impressive was how quickly all those concepts on campus flipped the switch. And those that weren't as skilled in the frictionless world got that way very quickly, very quickly. So for businesses, brands that are listening who have already in 
invested in apps or in online ordering and have the ability to get rapid throughput, whether they're emerging or not, they would serve themselves well, wouldn't they, to have a conversation with somebody like you? Happy to share with anyone. I frequently am approached by some aspiring brands that, that want to get into the, the non-traditional channels, and I'm always more than happy to speak with them. Who would you think is not a candidate? Who should just take this and perish the thought and put their energies back towards something other than this? Describe who that is. Well, if you're not going to follow the route that we talked about earlier, where you, you see an opportunity to subcontract at a, at a big school that's self-operated, I would advise that the brand really needs to have some level of infrastructure already in place. This is not a five or 10 unit proposition other than that, what we discussed about the self-op. Uh, campuses. It's it's more of a, a brand that has some kind of regional following that is is known and identifiable that has a in a private school market, because remember, private school students are coming from all over and they're going to be less apt to embrace a, a local concept. This is more of a big public school type uh, opportunity where uh, the students that are coming in from in-state or in that region can identify with it. And again, I think, you know, you really have to have the infrastructure because you have to recognize that your employee turnover is probably going to be higher. You're going to have to retrain. You're going to have to adapt and be flexible. You can't be all things to all people and probably want to be in, in one of the mainline food categories. At this point, sustainability contributions to the community, like our Firehouse Subs client with their whole um, Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation, those kind of things go a long, long way within the, the college students' minds as well. Health is going to rise even more as a result of COVID. Our Smoothie King client is right in a sweet spot right now with their focus on clean blending and healthy alternatives. So trust is an issue, whether it's traditional or non-traditional, trust is way, way up there. Ease of operation, simplicity, hot dogs or soft pretzels that don't require a hood and fryers and complexities would be probably pluses for an emerging brand, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Again, not trying to be all things to all people, but sticking to what brought you. Jim, if there's something I haven't asked you that you think I should have, can you tell me what it would be? Well, I don't mean to be all doom and gloom, but I think it's important that any operator contemplating the campus space is aware that you may have heard about this, there's a demographic cliff coming in 2025 or so. And there's debate over this, but the bottom line is high school graduates are, they're going to peak at about that time. So be aware of that. Secondly, I just want to revisit that idea that the real opportunity is to develop a strong concept with a local following that has some regional appeal. And, And even if you can't get on the campus, now that students are so off-premise oriented, more than half of their transactions are off-premise. Getting near the campus, you know, a Jimmy John's type strategy is not all bad. That's advice from a guy who went to school in Champaign-Urbana, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I heard your program. You yeah. never did work for Jimmy John, though, did you? No, I didn't. No, I That's didn't. Almost worked for Papa Dell's. <laughs> what a shame you were so close. <laughs> Jim, let's give some contact info so people can find you. They can come to your website and learn more about what it is we've talked about here. Because literally, in the short space of time we've had, we've barely touched the surface. Sure. Happy to do so. Jim at On Campus Brands with an S. Uh, happy to give you a phone number, 703-677-2100. Happy to talk to anyone out there who's interested in learning more about it. I do it all 
all the time. And this has been a ton of fun to get back with you and literally to shed some light on a side of the business that most people haven't given enough thought to. But my bet is there are those out there who can make some hay while the sun shines right now. And literally everybody's hitting the reset button at the same time. So it's pretty much a level playing field for people to give thought to this if it makes sense based on some of the things you've shared with us here today. Indeed it is. And thanks very much to you, Stan. It's been an honor. And and, uh, again, great to get back in touch. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, Jim. And I hope that you hear from some folks in the audience who heard you here today. Jim Gregory, managing partner of on-campus brands. When it comes to non-traditional development, this is your go-to guy to learn more. Jim, thanks again for being here. You bet. Take care. Well, that's all we have time for today. Next week, we'll take an interesting twist as I take the guest seat and my good friend, Jack Munson, guest hosts to interview me about Zor Forum. For many months, you've been hearing about Zor Forum right here on Franchise Today, but I'll bet you didn't know that it was the latest and greatest emerging franchise brand to hit the market. That's right. Originally conceived by Dave Paskin, formerly of one-on-one mobility fame and currently a partner in Kiddo Kinetics, Zor Forum is currently being franchised by Dave, 919 Marketing's Graham Chapman, and yes, yours truly. So how's that for a tease? More about all that next week. Until then... I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.